You're listening to the Fortress Church Audio Podcast. We're a church all about loving God and loving people. Let's listen in to our lead pastor, Randy Garcia, from this past Sunday's message. So open up your Bibles and tune in. Today we're launching a brand new sermon series that we've entitled Tapestry. And I'm not an artist, I'm an artist wannabe, but I'm, narr- I'm not very artistic-minded. Recently, Brenda and I, my wife and I, went over to the San Antonio Museum of Art, and we started checking out some artwork and some tapestries, and I got enthralled and did a little studying on that. And as I was, we were doing that, I realized the beautiful correlation between what an artist does, a tapestry artist does, and uh, what God does in your life and mine. And I was so intrigued that I thought, you know, I really do want to... To, uh, to draw the correlation. So because of that, we're launching a five-week series beginning today, and it's based on Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Would you join with me in the reading of Scripture here? And we're going to learn a little bit about tapestries and how God has a perfect plan, and, and we are everything that happens in our lives is woven together. This is part one, woven together <clears throat> for a great purpose. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, somebody say all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, amen? Does anybody here have a purpose in life? When you have a purpose in life, then you know what? God takes it and works out all things. But I don't want to stop in verse 28. Let's look at verse 29. It says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. I don't want you to misinterpret this word predestined. It doesn't mean that God chooses some and he doesn't choose others. No, pre means before. Before you were born, God had a destiny. God had a plan for you before you were even born. So verse 29 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters, and that he, those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What a privilege it is to know that God has a calling on my life, on your life. I want you to receive that today. God has a calling on your life. We're going to talk about this. So right now, let's ask the Lord's blessing upon the teaching of his word. Heavenly Father, we always consider it a privilege to be right here in your presence. As we come together, we do so in your mighty name. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have to even worship you. And as we get into your word, we pray that your word would come alive in us and through us, that you would be glorified. Thank you, Lord. You are mighty indeed. And we take this time to say thank you, Jesus. Bless this message. Give us ears to hear and a heart to respond. Amen. You may be seated. Tapestry. Let me give you a definition of the word tapestry. It is a fabric consisting of a warp upon which colored threads are woven by hand to produce a design, often pictorial, used for wall hangings, furniture coverings, and etc. Tapestries are beautiful. I don't know if you're much into tapestries, but I love to talk about them. Tapestry weaving is a beautiful work of art. Unlike the fast-paced world that we live in, the art of tapestry weaving is a very slow and time-consuming process. 
as we look at the process that is involved in weaving this work of art, we see a number of things. A, a weaver draws lines onto strips of clear plastic, and those are positioned against the looms of vertical warp threads. The markings and ink serve as a visual guide for weaving. The color palettes decided uh, and threads will be custom dyed to match the tapestry's design. The color of the tapestry formed the, what's called the weft. They often use wool to symbolize strength, silk for luminosity, silver and gold is used to symbolize strength. Non-mineral mineral water heats the thread, dye is added, colors are formed, the weft soaks. Several hours later, the threads are pulled out to check their color. Sometimes the color needs to be adjusted. Sometimes there's more dye, longer soaking. The process is long and tedious. Then the weft is hung to dry. The dyed threads are wound onto spools for storage. And when the weft is needed, it's transformed to a spool to be the weaver's main tool, which is oftentimes called a bobbin or a brooch. The bobbin can hold a single color or combination of colorful threads woven and twisted together. Now the weft is ready for the loom. And uh, once they put together all these colors of threads, they put together all these colors of threads and they prepare them for a large loom, which is used for the weaving tapestry. These thick strands of wool called the warp form the structure of the tapestry. Before the tapestry begins, the, the loom is bare. And there's a, a single thread of womb of, was wound between the metal wheel and a wall railings to form a loop. Well, right here, there are times that they have to uh, set the number of loops and the process is repeated with the new warp thread. Each bundle of warp is braided. At, uh, at the empty loom, the braided threads are arranged and perfectly spaced across the metal bar with metal teeth. And then they get prepared to... Uh, to hoist up this bar. And uh, I'm going to show you that in just a minute because each thread is very much taken in detail to how it is wound and used to make this artwork what it is supposed to be. There it goes. The bar is hoisted up and suspended from the loom's top beam. The braids are undone and the threads are pulled down and attached to the lower beam. Once the warp is on the loom, The next step after this is they begin to add, the weaver begins to add tension. The warp is loosened and tightened until the tension is just right. The last step is to add what is called heddles, a system of loop twine attached to the warp, which will enable the weaver to move threads while weaving. The weaver sits behind the the loom facing the back of the tapestry as he or she works They occasionally look between the warp threads to see the front of the tapestry reflected in a mirror. She also sees the reflection of the picture, a copy of the design, which hangs on the wall behind her. When the mirror is turned turned just right, the reflection is aligned perfectly to the area being woven and the markings on the warp threads. The weaver's bobbin or brooch is used like needles to hold the weft and guide it between the warp threads. Each one holds a particular color and hangs from the back of the tapestry, ready to be picked up and used again. To make a tapestry, the weft is woven over and under the warp threads in a horizontal direction. 
A row from the right to the left is followed by a row from the left to the right. Eventually, the warp is completed, covered by the weft. To weave a passage, the weaver pulls on the heddle to, uh, uh, to uncross and add, uh, odd and add odd and even sets of warp threads. This brings one set forward, and in the space between the warps, the bobbin can be guided through. Like a harpist plucking strings, the weaver pulls a small group of warp fo- forward. The weaver's skill and experience allows him or her to create a complex design, but also the end result is a work of art that is absolutely beautiful. And today, we oftentimes don't value the work behind putting a beautiful tapestry, a work of art, together. Oftentimes, a beautiful work of art is a tapestry. It doesn't take just a week or two. Usually, a beautiful work takes two or three years. That's right. The finished tapestry is a beautiful celebration, beauty, bringing beauty to the work of art and glory to its creator. One of the things that I notice in a tapestry, and I'm not uh, a tapestry work of art expert, is that every, every thread is vitally important. Every thread is vitally important. As, we walked, as I walked through and did some investigation and learning and, and educated myself on the process of the tapestry weaving, I noticed that there's a whole lot of uh, correlation to our spiritual life. And so for a few minutes, I'd like to talk about that and use this picture that we can have, the picture of a tapestry that is so important to your life and mine. Today, I'd like to point out three important factors of a tapestry weaver that he or she keeps in mind. First of all, the process of being woven together involves much detail. The process of being woven together involves much detail. Once again, there are many, many threads, and each thread needs to be woven together in order to make this work of art beautiful. Much, much detail. Kind of like our lives. The year was 1929. The place was a plaza in the middle of Las Cruces, New Mexico. This plaza is called, this area of town is called La Mesilla. Anybody been to La Mesilla in Las Cruces, New Mexico? Yeah, this is what was happening. Let me tell you what was happening back in 1929. There was an evangelist slash pastor who was preaching the word of God. And uh, he was creating a little bit of a commotion So the sheriff went to check it out because the sheriff was getting some complaints about this preacher that was in the plaza there in La Masia in Las Cruces, New Mexico. So the sheriff there went over there. The sheriff, his name was Augustine Lopez, and uh, and he went over there and he asked this uh, pastor slash evangelist, Brother Jimenez, what are you doing? What are you saying? What are you preaching? So they started to converse, and because there was people around, the sheriff says, I'll tell you what. Here's my address. Would you come over to my house this evening and you can tell me all that you're, you're talking about? So later that evening, the pastor slash evangelist did go. But can I tell you something? I heard that, that Pastor Jimenez was quite scared because this was a sheriff. This is a guy with a, you know, with a lot of authority. And, but he went over anyway, prayed about it. And it was that evening there in 1929 that that sheriff, Augustine Lopez, um, gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Augustine Lopez happens to be, happened to be my grandpa. And, uh, yeah, he was a sheriff there in Las Cruces, New Mexico. And he gave his heart to the Lord, began attending a Methodist church there in Las Cruces, New Mexico. 
about four years later, in 1933, uh, my grandpa moved uh, my, the family, the Lopez family, to Greeley, Colorado. Anybody know where Greeley, Colorado is? And uh, there was no church back then, no, uh, no church. So my grandpa, Augustine Lopez, decided to plant a church and said, well, I'll just start a church. Let's start with the family because uh, my mom was the oldest of seven kids. And so that, that's a good-sized church to start with, right? And it was there a few months later, there in 1933, that my mom, Bertha Lopez, gave her heart to Jesus Christ. And, um, and uh, God was working out some details. I'm telling you this because God works out details, even when it comes to my life. See, when all this was happening in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and in Greeley, Colorado, God was working out some other details in San Antonio, Texas. Because the year now was 1937, and a 14-year-old teenager named Raul Garcia walked into a church on the west side of San Antonio. The church was and is still called Templo Cristiano, Christian Temple, Assembly of God. And there, that 14-year-old teenager, Raul Garcia, gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. He happened to be my dad. You see, God was working out some details. Well, in the meantime, the Lopez family had moved from Greeley, Colorado to Los Angeles, California. My mom began attending Latin American Bible Institute, graduated in 1940, and God was working out some details, preparing my mom for the ministry way over in California, preparing my dad for ministry in San Antonio, Texas. Because my mom was very fluent in English and Spanish both, she was asked to join an evangelistic team by, uh, that was a, pre- a boy preacher, a nine-year-old preacher. His name was David Walker. He would travel literally all around the United States and even Mexico preaching the gospel. My mom was the interpreter, and this evangelistic team went through San Antonio, Texas. They happened to go to Templo Cristiano, where my dad laid his eyes on who would be my mom. And so they fell in love, and that's a whole other story there, but praise God for that. And, but God was working out the details. God was, you know, uh, my dad claimed that she left a hymn book there at the church. I don't know, but so when they were, they were, they kept on going to, um, in their travels to Laredo and then to Monterey, Mexico. My dad traveled to go to, yeah, right, return the hymn book. <laughs> Couldn't find him, was too late. Then he heard that they were all the way in Denver, Colorado. He went all the way to Denver. Finally got hold of my mom and they started talking and Oh, about a, about a year later, 1947, they were married. And, um, and so uh, God was working out some details. God is a very detail-oriented God. Back in 1950, my dad and mom planted a church called El Sendero de la Cruz Church. And uh, they started a church and praised God. So 11 years later, in 1961, when... Uh, this guy named Randy Garcia was born. I was privileged to be born into the house of a, of a minister's house in a Christian home. I was, praise God for that. I was the fourth child, the last child of, a, of a, a four children. And then uh, back about 11 years after that, 1972, I came to the point to realize I can't get to heaven based on the faith of my mom and dad. Praise God that I was born in a Christian home, but I need to make a decision for myself. So in 1972, I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was then that my life was changed and transformed. Walked to the altar there at El Sendero de la Cruz Church at that point. It was on WESATS. Gave my heart to the Lord. 
few months later, I was baptized in water. By the way, if you haven't been baptized in water, I encourage you to follow what the Scripture says. If Jesus Christ is truly your Lord and Savior, you must be baptized in water. I'm not talking about an infant baptism because a baby cannot determine where he or she's going to, the decisions that he or she's going to make for the rest of his life. I'm going to serve Jesus. An infant cannot do that, but you and I can. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't been baptized, Uh, Let's take those steps that honor God. So God was working out some details. Then in 1985, I responded to the call in my life to enter the ministry. And praise God for that. About nine years later, 1994, I, along with a number of people, some of you are sitting with me today, started a church called Fortress Church right here in San Antonio. And and, I praise God for what happened in 1994, and then uh, back in 2014, God blessed me with a beautiful wife named Brenda. And uh, after 15 years of that I was uh, serving as a single dad, the Lord blessed me. I definitely married up. <laughs> and here we are in 2017, all together at Fortress Church, worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ together. Amen. Now... Why did I tell you all this? I just spent about four minutes to tell you all this because God was working out all the details of my life. He was weaving together who I needed to be. And can I tell you something? God was working out the details before I was even born. Before I was born, God was weaving together the details of my life. And every circumstance that I told you is like a thread. Every, everything that took place before I was born that was later served to, to, to make me who I am today is like a thread. Every circumstance is like a thread. And you know what, a thread, and you know what God does? God takes the threads of our lives, every circumstance, everything that takes place, the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, the ups and the downs, and he takes all the threads, everything that has taken place, and he weaves it together. We are woven together. To be a masterpiece of the Lord God Almighty. We are woven together. And and, and I want to tell you this because, you know, sometimes we say, God, why did I have to deal with that? Lord, why did I have to go through this? And, Lord, I don't understand this. You know, every circumstance, every situation, the good and the bad, God takes and weaves it together. You know, back in 1998 when my first wife uh, uh, left our three children and I. That was not a threat I wanted to deal with, but I did. And it made me stronger. It made me who I am today. Because God has taken every little detail of my life. God is into details. And so I, I tell you my story because my next question is this. What is your story? What is your story? Do you realize that before you were even born, God was working out Every detail of your life, from your mom, your dad, your grandparents, whatever, you know, things were working out. God knew exactly where he wanted you to be. God knew every different color of thread that he would need to put you together and make you into the beautiful masterpiece that he desires you to be. Everything works for the good of them who are called according to to the purpose of God. Is everything good? No, not, any, not, not all these threads are good because they represent some bad things that have happened to us, but God works them for the good. Are you understanding what Scripture says? God works them for 
the good. Life lesson is this. Long before you were even born, God was already working out the details of your life. You were born with a purpose. I'm going to say that again. Long before you were even born, God was already working out the details of your life. You were born with a purpose. So the first thing I learned from a tapestry weaver is that it's, in the, it's, it's a lot about details. Number two, number two, I'm going to say this. The process of being woven together, somebody say woven together, takes lots of time and patience. As I said earlier, a, a beautiful work of art, a tapestry, does not take two or three weeks. It sometimes takes two or three years in order to complete. We live in a fast-paced, fast-food, microwave world, but the artist knows not to rush the work of art. You cannot rush the artist, and you cannot rush the work of art. Reminds me of the young man who had a talk with God, and he says, Lord, up in heaven, how much is a million years? Well, God said a million years is just like a second in heaven. Oh, well, up in heaven, how much is a... How much money is a million dollars? Well, the Lord said a million dollars is like a penny in heaven. Well, that's great. The young man said, God, could you give me one of your pennies? <laughs> and God says, all right, just give me a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> our timing, our timetable is different than God's. You know what I'm talking about? Our timetable is different than God's. And sometimes uh, we, we get frustrated because um, we don't understand God's timetable. Perhaps you've heard the phrase, timing is everything. And, and, and sometimes, yeah, that's, that's, that's very true. Timing is essential when you're dealing with people. Don't ask for a raise when business is not going well or when things are tense around the office. Don't try to connect with someone who you feel threatened by. No, timing is everything. My wife knows not to ask me for shopping money right after the Spurs lose. No, no, bad timing, bad timing. Timing is important when you're cooking because that juicy hamburger on the grill uh, needs to be cooked fully because if you take it off too soon, raw meat is not going to do you a whole lot of good. I mean, no, timing is important, yeah. Timing is important in medicine. If you catch a problem early enough, you're able to treat it more effectively. Timing is important when you're taking medication. You've got to do it in the right dosage at the right timing so that it can be effective. Timing is important in finances when you're investing here or investing there. Timing is important in your spiritual life as well. Jesus was very conscious of timing, and he lived his life with an acute awareness of God's timing on his life and fulfilling God's plan for his life. The Gospel of John records these words that remind us of this very principle. John chapter 2 verse 4 says, Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. John chapter 7 verse 8, Jesus said, the time is not yet here. John 7.30 says, his hour has not yet come. Timing is vitally important to God, and especially when it comes to the weaving process of the project that you are to God. Life lesson. If you find yourself in God's waiting room, it simply means that your miracle is in the making. If you find yourself in God's waiting room, it simply means that your miracle is in the making. A young man, a Christian, went to an older believer to ask for prayer, and he said, will you please pray that I could have more patience because things are very trying. 
So the older, wise Christian says, yes, sir, I'll pray right now. Would you bow your heads? He started praying, Lord, would you send this young man tribulation in the morning? Lord, would you send this young man tribulation at noon tomorrow? Lord, would you send this? And the young man interrupted his prayer. No, 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 no. That's not what I asked you to pray for. No, no. I asked you to pray that God would give me patience. The old wise Christian says that's the only way. The only way you're going to get patience is when you go through and conquer tribulation. Timing is so important. I love this quote from Ravi Zacharias. He says, God makes appointments with us and our disappointments. To see the pattern, we must take three steps involving the heart, the mind, and the cross. The process of being woven together, number three, involves tension. One of the things I learned in my education, educating myself in, in tapestry weaving is that once the threads are there, in order for the threads to be uh, fully uh, usable, it needs to be stretched. It needs to be, there needs, they need to add the tension. Or else, if it's, if it's flimsy, then the artwork is not going to come out well at all. Tension in the threads, it's what makes the tapestry straight and strong. Without tension, the tapestry falls apart. In the Christian life, likewise, We need tension. We don't like it, but we need tension. Your tension happens when you and I are tempted to do something wrong, but the Holy Spirit is speaking to us to do what is right. And there we are in the middle of of tension. Do I do what is wrong? Do I do what is right? And we feel the tension pulling us in two different directions. But that's something good because once we make the right choice, God is able to use that tension, the right choices to make us into his beautiful creation. Tension happens when you're driving down the highway and somebody cuts you off on the road. You feel like yelling at them or making some not-so-good gestures. Tension, you're tense. But when you make the right choices, God is able to form you into his beautiful work of art. Tension is what happens when you when you want to tithe and give to God, but then, but then you you want, oh man, I really yeah, I want to do this and spend money here and there, and and you're caught in between. How do I use my finances to glorify God? Tension happens when you face stress at work, or when someone talks behind your back, or when you get a bill that you didn't expect. Tension happens, but that's okay because tension is an opportunity for God to take you and stretch you and make you strong. This, what I hold in my hand, is a guitar string that has never been put on a guitar. Now, I love the sound of guitars, but right now this guitar string doesn't sound very good because it's not connected anywhere, okay? It's loose. As much as I can hit it as much as I want, it's not going to make any good sound. The only way that this guitar string is going to be a good guitar string that I can use for its ability is to put it and hook it up to this guitar all the way here and all the way there and tighten it and tighten it and put more tension and more tension and more tension until it begins to sound beautiful. The only way this guitar string will ever sound beautiful is when it is put through some tension. Likewise, the only way you're going to be God's beautiful work of art is if you also have to deal with some tension. 
And sometimes God just tightens things a little more and tightens things a little more. But God, why? <laughs> He's making you into his beautiful masterpiece. If we could only see what God sees. Life lesson, if you feel that God is stretching you, it means that he is inviting you to a higher level. If you feel that God is stretching you, it means that he is inviting you to a higher level. My friend, you are a tapestry of art. God, the master artist, has been working in you before you were even born. Every thread represents something that has happened in your life, the good and the bad. And God is taking every circumstance and every thread is a picture, a reminder of something that has happened in your life and mine. God takes it all and he, he weaves it together. Every circumstance in your life is woven together to make you into the person that God wants you to be today. Would you allow God, would you say, God, here is all these threads, all these pictures of what has happened in the years of my life. God, I, I'm giving it to you. God, would you take it? God, would you make something beautiful with this? God can do that if you let him do that. He can take everything that's gone on and make a beautiful tapestry together. Once again, Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that in all things, not just some things, but all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Do you love the Lord? Then God wants to work it for the good of those who have been called according to his purpose. My friend, you have a purpose, and your purpose centers around all the things that have taken place, so many things that have taken in my place. I had no, uh, no way of, of, of knowing what was happening. So much of what God was preparing for me happened before I was even born. Same thing for you. Many things in your life you had no control over just happens. But it's not coincidence. It's God's hand. It's God's providence preparing you to be the individual that he intended you to be. Everything works together Paul says here in Romans, everything works together. Your life is woven together. Scripture doesn't say that all things are good. No, it says that God works things for the good. And can I tell you something? He's not done yet. He's not done yet with me. He's not done yet with you. And in a work of art, every thread makes a world of difference. I don't know about you, but I want to give every circumstance in my life everything. And let's say, God, can you, can you make something beautiful out of this? No, he sure can. Every circumstance represents one thread in God's great design of your life. I want to read that same scripture, Romans 8, 28 and verses 29, 30, but this time I want to read it from the message version of the Bible. And as I read it from this version of the Bible, I want you to picture it like we've been talking about today as God taking every circumstance and turning things for the good and, and creating something beautiful in his masterpiece. It says here, that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. 
He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end. (laughs) God's staying with you to the end. He's not giving up on you, my friend. He's saying, I'm I'm, I'm not gonna leave you. I'm right there taking every circumstance and making it good. The last phrase says, He stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. You know what God is doing? He's completing what he has begun in you. He's completing what he has begun in you. But sometimes we walk away and say, no, God, I'm not going to let you work on my life. Today you have a choice. God, I am taking all the threads that represent the different things that have gone on in my life, different colors, different sizes, different shapes, and giving them to you. And, Lord, would you, would you make something beautiful out of this? The Lord said, oh, yeah, I can handle that. I can handle that. But oftentimes we walk away from God. The choice is yours. As we said here in the last part of Romans 8.30, God stays with us to the end and completes what he has begun. Would you let him do that in your life? Would you stand with me right now? I want to prepare for time here at these altars, and oftentimes what I like to do is take a scripture and just speak words of life, personalize a particular passage and make it applicable to us. And based on what we just read from Romans 8, 28 through 30, my prayer to the Lord is this. Thank you, Lord, for working out the details of my life. I believe that I am a work in progress. I believe that it is good. I also see that you, Lord God, are making me to be more like Jesus. Thank you for calling me by name. Today, I am responding. You will never, uh, you have never given up on me. And I know that you will complete the work you have begun in me. Amen. So be it. Thank you for listening to this audio podcast. Fortress Church is located in San Antonio, Texas, near Bandera and Prue Road. For more information, check us out at www.fortresschurch.org.